0: This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society, Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org.
1: Hi, this is Marina Sertius, Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation. You're listening to Trek FM.
0: Earl Grey hot. Welcome listeners to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Amy Nelson. Richard is away this week, but I still have with me the amazing Justin Ozer. Justin, how are you?
1: I'm doing good. As I mentioned before we started recording, I've been uh, fighting a little something off, but I think I sound okay and I should be all right, but I'll I'll, I'll hang in there. But very excited for the episode today.
0: Excellent. Yes. uh, This week I had a lot of Trek FM love. I got to uh, hang out with Bruce. He was here and I got to hang out with Chris Trebizio. So I just love hanging out with my Trek FM family. It's so great.
1: Yeah, all those people want to come to Vegas to see you, Yes, which is fantastic. Well,
0: that's how I view it. I mean, there's other things.
1: Yeah, besides STLV, there was that one time when I had a convention and I saw you, yep. which was nice. So yeah. We do meet in person sometimes.
0: Yes, we do. Uh, let's get to, we have an iTunes review. Very excited. Thank you. Justin, why don't you read that for our listeners?
1: Yeah, we did get an iTunes review, which is great. So it comes to us from far, far away because it comes from a user called Pluto's Orbit. So thank you for, you know, listening to our show from the orbit of Pluto. <laughs> and and they said, this is fun to listen to. I like everything about this podcast. It's the best roundtable discussion covering the best show of all time. Total escape hour of my day. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it and glad that you're loving the show. Pluto's Orbit, whoever you are way out there. In deep space.
0: <laughs> yes, and we agree it is the best show. Well, in my opinion.
1: So. In your opinion, yes. as listeners know, I do give a slight advantage to DS Nine, but I do love TNG yeah. very much.
0: <laughs> well, we do have some Babel conference feedback for our Lost episodes, Part Five, which "Blood and Fire," and that is Earl Gray Two Sixty.
1: Uh, Yeah, so the first comment we got it actually was from Jason Myers, and it requires a little explanation. So we were talking about whether Klingons have desserts, and Jason put a link to the Memory Alpha article on Rokeg blood pie. Uh, Now, that's one I hadn't thought of, but I'm not sure if it's a dessert. I thought of it more like an entree, like a shepherd's pie kind of thing, but... We may never know it hasn't been resolved in Canyon yet. Yeah. Maybe Discovery or Future Show will tell us what Roque blood pie really is, whether it's a dessert or not. but
0: Yeah, I think the pie throws us for a loop there.
1: Yeah, because pie could be dessert, yep. Or it could actually: It could be, be like a savory
0: pie as well,: yeah.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> well, show Up Mursa says, "Fun to imagine these unproduced scripts. Justin, you've got a wonderful narrator's voice. Well done. Listening to the episode today, I thought it would be fun to have Amy and Richard narrate the character dialogue. Great opportunity for some role-playing audio theater. Well, Shoab, uh, we definitely did get into our role playing, and I don't know about that, but it's an interesting request.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, first, uh, Shoab, thank you. I appreciate that i'm never sure how my voice sounds but i'm glad that you like it <laughs> narrating these things but the way that it's put together in this book it isn't like you really are able to see the dialogue as easily sometimes it's a description instead of clearly delineating it so it would take some work but maybe it's something to think about for the future
0: yeah yeah i don't know if the scripts uh actually got fleshed out to have dialogue they're just more of the idea
1: a lot of it's a description because we're not actually seeing the script yeah so, yeah yeah We also had Wes Huntington who said this would have been an instant classic from season one. However, I know this much, purely my theory. It would have been highly controversial and probably not a lot of stations would have aired it out of fear. This was almost seven years before the Ellen Show's Puppy Show episode that made homosexuality in any kind of series mainstream. I really think many stations and even Paramount probably would have felt intense trepidation for airing it. I think those are all good points.
0: Yes, absolutely. And definitely a classic from season one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mhm.
0: Well, with that comment, I'm almost wondering if we should have had Wes read that himself because we have him here on Earl Grey. Wes Huntington, welcome. Hi guys.
2: Hi. <laughs> I'm just absolutely thrilled to be here. So,
0: <laughs> we are so glad to get you on Earl Grey. We appreciate all of your comments and support for the show and we just love that you love us.
2: Oh yeah, I love you guys. I, listen, I get a chance to listen to you every week. It's awesome.
1: Oh, thank you. We really appreciate it.
0: Well, Wes, we know that you are now a seasoned podcaster because you have started your own podcast called the Minnesota Star Trek Nerd. So why don't you tell us about what you do over there?
2: Well, first of all, it's influenced by Earl Grey. I got to say that first and foremost. And Mission Log, because... You guys, plus John and Ken over there, over at Mission Log, really influenced me to start my own podcast. The three of you, plus them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so thank you. I want to say that from the bottom of my heart, first of all. Uh, so, I talk about pretty much anything regarding Star Trek. I've been talking about uh, the Short Treks. Um, I've been talking about... Uh, I did a recent episode about the Top 10 Star Trek Planets. So... And that was a request from somebody. So that was great to talk about. And I've had guests on the show. I just, last month, I had a Women of Star Trek panel. So, and that was a lot of fun to do.
0: That was really good. And that turned out to be a two-parter. There was just so much to talk about. It was great to listen to.
2: Yep, exactly.
0: Well, how did you even get into Star Trek? What's your history? Well, my parents, both
2: my parents are big Star Trek fans. And, um, before we get into that, um, my first name is actually based off of, uh, Wes Crusher from The Next Generation. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that first of all. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of great. Both my parents were big fans of Star Trek and they watched TNG when I was, you know, in the womb, so to speak. And, uh, that was one of the first shows I actually sat down and watched when I was a kid. Was TNG, so.
0: And you just loved it since then.
2: Yep, loved it since then. Yep i've I've rewatched most of the series. There are some episodes I, I don't know why, but I just feel like I shouldn't watch them. Hmm. If that makes any sense. Okay. But this, like, I'm glad that we're getting a big expansion of the franchise, and this is great because I'm an adult now, so this is awesome.
0: Yes, and there's so much more to talk about coming up in the future. So it'll be exciting. Exactly, it's a, it's an exciting time. It is. Well, we are going to discuss uh, some of the best and worst moments of Riker, and this was Wes's idea. So, Wes, why did you choose Riker for this? I thought um, we we know
2: about uh, we could have had like any other character have best and worst moments. But I think Riker gets like uh, gets a lot of love, so to speak, from the writers and definitely from the directors and even Jonathan Frakes himself. I would say that uh, maybe it could be a really fun topic to discuss. So.
0: All right. Well, let's get to William T. Riker. Um, so we are going to go through, we haven't shared any of our picks, but we're going to go through our three best and our three worst Riker picks. And when I was doing this, for some reason, I was thinking three of the best decisions and worst decisions. So mine might have a little twist to it, but I think it still fits within the framework of what we are talking about. Justin, how did you go about choosing yours?
1: Well, I I, I was thinking about moments, although a lot of these may come up as decisions. But I I was just kind of thinking throughout the different episodes and, and the movies, what were the things where he did something where I was like, wow, that's amazing, or things where he did something where I thought, wow, that was terrible that he did that. So I was just kind of looking at it through that lens. But I actually found this difficult because I found there were a lot of moments that I thought were best. So I had to really narrow it down from initially having, I don't know, 15 or 20 or something like that. So
0: I know I got my picks and I was like, Oh, I need to add this one. Oh, this one's so good. And it was very, very difficult because I think sometimes we look at like there's a lot of Riker shows, but then it sort of decreases as the seasons go on. But he is involved all the time. And it just really highlighted how important his character is.
1: Yeah, and I think some of the ones I picked were moments within something that isn't specifically like a Riker-focused episode.
0: Exactly. Wes, you are our guest. So why don't you give us uh, one of your best moments for Riker?
1: Okay,
2: Uh, I have a list here. So but I'll just go in no particular order. I have a list from like one to three for each one. I am going to go start off with Frame of Mind. uh, What I chose out of that episode was uh, the fact that he was able to finally figure out that what was going on around him was a delusion. He finally figured it out after like 30 ep- some odd minutes of the episode. He finally starts to realize I'm I'm in a delusion. I need to get out of this. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's a great moment. Um, yeah, mine ended up being like more moments than I mean, I have some decisions, but not like a lot. So for my list. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I just think, I think that moment works for me for best.
1: It's, it's a great moment from a great episode where he just figures out this really, because there's a really tangled web in there that he's in, <laughs> like realities within realities. So yeah, it's, it, it's pretty great that he, he figures his way out of that.
0: Yeah. All right, Justin.
1: All right. So for my first moment, I went all the way back toward the, one of the first times, well, the first episode that we saw at Sea Riker, which is the first episode of TNG. Um, and what I really like in Encounter at Farpoint is that, you know, you see Riker, he comes on and Picard is like, hi, welcome aboard, watch this video <laughs> of what, what's happened. And then after that, Picard's like, okay, I need you to do this manual docking. And he's like, no, I need you to do it right now. He's like, okay, okay, I'll do it right now. So Riker goes to the battle bridge and you see the skepticism from Data and Yar where they're like, you're going to do this without automation? Okay. And he just does it like flawlessly. And I, I was watching the, the scene earlier today and just watching his face. And he's just so calm and so purposeful about it. And he just nails it. So I, I love that. And I think it's a really great introduction to Riker and how he can take his duty seriously and just do something perfectly, even if it's manual. So that's, that was my first one.
0: Yeah, and we definitely get the feeling he is very qualified to be transferred to the Enterprise-D, the flagship of the Federation.
1: Yeah, and it immediately gives you a lot of confidence in him like this guy knows his stuff. So, it's it's a great introduction for his character in that part.
0: Yeah, that that's a great
2: choice, Justin. I had never even thought of that cuz <laughs> when you said about the incredulous um the incredulity of uh, both uh Data I thought that was a bad moment, but you know, I thought of it more like, eh, is that going to be okay? <laughs> I didn't expect data to have that kind of emotional reaction.
1: <laughs> well, I think data in the first couple episodes, they make him a little more emotional than later. They, there's this kind of interplay, like does he have emotions or doesn't he, which they kind of settle in season three, but yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. But, but no, I, I really love that Riker moment where he does the manual docking. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Great. Well, for my first pick, uh, again, Going along sort of with the decision, but I think it is a great moment as well, is when he confides to Picard about his involvement with Captain Pressman in the Pegasus. And, you know, that happened when Riker was fresh out of the academy and he was like eager to show his loyalty to his captain and be a good first officer or sorry, a lieutenant. But then he questioned like his decision. Did, did I do the right thing by supporting Pressman? And he had some regrets about it. And then when it happens to come up again, he does make the right decision and say, yeah, what Pressman did was wrong. And to confide in Picard about this mistake that he made. And I think it takes a a big person to accept your mistakes and fix it and do what's best. So I I like that decision that he made in the Pegasus.
1: Definitely. I mean, you guys are picking some great Riker-focused episodes, of some great Riker moments, <laughs> and he does make that decision to tell Picard where he was really struggling with it before. But I guess his he feels like it's only the right thing to do to tell him. Yeah, it's it's pretty great.
2: Yeah, and that's great because as of this recording, it's it's been twenty five years since it first aired. So that's actually kind of great um, that you picked that moment, Amy, because uh, I. This never, it never, I mean, yeah, I thought of that, but I didn't think of, a like, could I put that as my, on my list or not? <laughs> it was like, but I'm glad you picked it, so.
0: All right, well, let's go to uh, our next pick of a worst moment or decision. So, Wes, what do you have for us? Okay, this one is probably pretty
2: obvious. Shades of Grey.
0: Oh, I figured someone would choose that.
2: Uh, shades of gray, uh, because of him making that injury that makes the entire episode.
1: But is it real It's not really his fault, though. No, it's, kind it's of not an really accident. his
2: fault. But he, it was a little clumsy. Hmm. I, I was gonna say shades of gray has got to be one of the worst ones for Riker.
1: So, see, I thought you were going to say it's one of his worst because he convinced them to have a clip show <laughs> instead of like a regular episode. But, <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but that's interesting because yeah, maybe he could have been a little more careful, and 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 that wouldn't have happened. But he yeah, and he brings on this thing that threatens his life. Hmm, okay,
0: all right, Justin.
1: So my worst moments. So I have to say, when I was thinking of the worst moments, I was just thinking like, what are the things. That with his character, I end up being really disappointed. And it's actually something that's evolved over time, and it's actually something we talked about recently with Ken Tripp about Chain of Command and Captain Jellicoe So I'm gonna choose Riker's kind of insubordination in Chain of Command, which when I first saw the episode, I thought, oh man, you know, he's he's right for resisting this and you know, Jellicoe's overbearing and all of that. But now I've come to see, as we talked about in that episode, that Jellicoe was doing the right things for the mission and Riker as his executive officer should have been implementing what Jellicoe needed for the mission and not resisting him every step of the way. So I think those are some of his his worst moments and you I don't think you see really that level of insubordination from Riker except when, you know, you get an alien influence Picard or something like that. But when someone is just like a normal person who's giving him orders that he should execute I think the way that he's insubordinate and just doesn't really follow orders qualifies as some of his worst moments for me now.
0: Yeah, I agree with you in that episode. And when uh, Jellico comes to ask him to pilot, he's just so arrogant. He's so smug. <laughs> smug about it. Yeah, you're right. And it's like, come on, Riker. This, this is for the mission. And he's... Yep, he's holding on to the scrudge. He's got a chip on his shoulder and with jellico, so that, that is a worst moment for Riker. Yeah, and it
1: feels like a different Riker than you see elsewhere as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the I worst have to is coming out. You both. Okay, oh. Yeah.
2: I have to disagree with you both because I don't think it's a worst moment for him. I think he's trying to because he's I mean, Greg, yes, I see your point, Justin.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But I see it more of like the fact is, hey, I'm trying to save my friend here my captain my friend here i and and while i'm trying i understand what you're trying to do here i can't he's trying to why is Jellicoe willing to sacrifice everything uh he I, that i can understand why you're getting that but i have to disagree with you both because i think he's just trying to save captain picard too
1: yeah and i and i can absolutely see that but i think like, his, his emotions in it get in the way, and it turns out Jellicoe does actually have a plan to get Picard back. Would it been nice if he said something about it, but no, I, I can totally see that, and I was wondering how long it would take for us to disagree yeah. on the choice. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. Not that's too right. long.
2: <laughs> Not too long, apparently.
1: <laughs> no, that's that's totally fair. It makes me wonder if you'll uh, disagree with my other ones, too. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs>
0: Well, for my worst moment, uh, again, sort of this worst decision, I think uh, I went back to Hyde and Q. And this is where Riker gets Q powers. And he is so presumptuous and arrogant and thinks he knows what everyone wants is and decides to grant them what he wants and make Wesley an adult and give Jordy his sight and Worf, give him a, a mate and you know, and I just think, man, Riker, that is not a good decision. You don't know what people want. You may think you do, but it just is so presumptuous. Um, I think that is a very poor decision on Riker's part.
1: Yeah, I, I, I can definitely, I can definitely see that. I mean, although it's, he does have these cute powers and is maybe influenced by them to be more arrogant about it than he usually is, but maybe he could have made a and later on, I think he does make a, a better decision that it's good for him not to have these powers. But yeah, in that moment, mm-hmm. it's like he thinks he knows what's best for all the people around him, but he really doesn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. I see your point, Amy. I really do. Uh, and then earlier, before he gives that, he says about Eric, tells Picard, I wish I had never made that deal with you, but not using my powers. I could have saved that child who was, you know,
0: dead. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go to our second best moments. Wes, give us your second pick.
2: All right. It is from the outcast. His decisions to help Soren in any way possible. Then eventually uh, he was willing to uh, like tell Picard, hey, I want to help her. And Picard tells him, you know, you could probably violate the Prime Directive if you do this. You're interfering with the natural development of the Janai." But he ends up. Uh, he tries to do whatever he can, but eventually he'll eventually just give up and just move on with his life. So I chose the outcast for that reason, for one of his best picks.
1: So it's it's Riker trying to to help Soren through this situation, mm-hmm. and so there can be some recognition of who she really thinks she is, yeah, so to speak, you know? mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I can see that, although like when I watch this one sometimes I think of, of Riker's decision that he goes a little too far because he just brings along Worf to like basically, you know, kidnap Sorin, and that feels like some bad decision making, but it feels like like he is Soren's advocate at a certain point and is doing some some good things. Um and I, I can see that.
0: Hmm. I might have to disagree with you because I think that's sort of a a bad decision that he makes to get so involved and emotionally attached to Soren. But I I can see why uh, I'm just going to have to disagree a little bit on that one. That's fine. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Justin, your second choice.
1: Well, for my second pick, uh, this is going to come from the episode Conspiracy. And what I really like about Riker in that, is that, you know, Picard is down on Earth, there are these people that have been affected with this parasite, and Riker has this plan to go down and pretend that one of the parasites has has infected him, and he's just, and I think the first time I watched the episode, I was like, whoa, Riker got infected. I think Jonathan Friggs pulls it off really well to make you think that, but he's doing this great act to pretend that he he is a host to one of the parasites and like, you know, Picard will show you what things will be like. And then he starts to, you know, try to eat these worms or whatever, and then just kind of pulls out his phaser and, and, uh, and kind of helps to save the day. So I I love that. I think it's a, it's a great Riker moment where he kind of has this great acting job and saves the day. Yeah. What do you guys think?
2: Well, I have to, I, this is a great decision. Yeah. Cause I didn't think of it. I, I mean, That's a great pick, Justin. I have to give you bravo for that. But, uh, <laughs> but that's a great pick because, yeah, faking everybody out then pulling out his phaser and start shooting everybody. That, oh, wow. That'd be something that Kirk would do, too.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think oftentimes early on in TNG, they kind of saw him as the next generation's version of Kirk. And you can kind of see that. But but like I think it's funny that he does that because earlier in the episode Quinn who's infected by this parasite like totally kicks his butt <laughs> and he's yeah. kind of making up for it but but yeah it's it's a, it's it is kind of a very Kirk thing like I'm I'm gonna. You know, save the day this way. Yeah,
0: yeah, I love that. is a great moment because the twist you just don't see it at all. And here Riker comes and is like, "Nope, I'm not." And then bam, bang, bang, and poo poo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think the first time I saw it, I was like, "Oh no, if Riker's infected, how are they going to get up?" Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yep, yep.
0: Right, yeah, yeah, right, and just right to the very end. It was great timing mm-hmm. on that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and like I and Picard, I mean, he tells Picard later is like, we were supposed to convince you. And he, Picard tells him, yeah, you did. You convinced me that you were infected. Way to go.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, for my second, uh, best moment, I have him in, um, I have, I chose him, his decision in peak performance where he is willing to go and use this unstable warp drive that was, you know, put together by Wesley and his little experiment like, but he trusts his crew. He trusts Wesley, he trusts Worf's, and he trusts Picard and Data. Like it just is really highlighting the level of confidence that he has with those he works with to you know, they are firing torpedoes, and if he doesn't move, then they get killed and blown up. And <laughs> I just love that he is willing to take that risk, and it is a very good decision. Oh,
1: so you're talking about toward the end where he makes it seem like the ship's been destroyed, but they warp out at the last second. right? Ah. Yeah, it's a very gutsy move.
0: <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow, that's incredibly Wow, I didn't wow, I didn't even think of that. Way to go, Amy. Wow. <laughs> I know, there's so
0: many good Riker moments. There's
1: there's lots of great moments. I thought of peak performance a little bit, but more for like him taking on this challenge and having a lot of fun with it. But I didn't think about the end part where he fakes out the Ferengi and makes it look right? like the ship's destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> okay. Well let's get to our second picks for worst moments. Wes? Okay,
2: this one, I'm going to pick Rascals. Um, hmm. it, he pretty much, he's like, without Picard being the card being a kid, he's unable to let the, he's, he's pretty much uh, the Ferengi mercenaries take control of the Enterprise. And, you know, he just, I mean, he walks off the computer and stuff, but, you know, it's like they're hardly doing anything. They can't, it, it, they're just, I don't know. They, the air could kick their butts, kick the, the the two Klingon ships butts, but um, it just he just allows it to happen, hmm. uh, and, and, and I don't know why, but I think it's one of the worst uh, worst moments of Riker. I really do.
1: That's interesting because I may have to disagree with that because I think that they're they're surprised by by what happens with these Klingon ships, which are supposed to be their allies, and then the Frangi beam in and but Riker does lock out the computer and later on he has this thing that he does where he's putting out all this techno babble about the computer and with his other hand he's actually giving the computer control over to the kids and the where they are so i think there's some good moments i mean i don't i don't know if there's anything he could have done at the beginning to prevent it being taken over because it's a complete surprise so i don't think of it as a worst moment hmm. yeah interesting good what pick. do you think amy
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I I can sort of see both. I hadn't even thought about Rascals as a... Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, interesting. Interesting pick, Wes. Uh, Justin, your second.
1: Okay, so I don't know. Maybe there's some controversy about this one. Maybe not. But I'm going to go back to the episode, The Vengeance Factor. Now, in that episode, <laughs> there is... Um, this woman that they find out she has like this blood feud that she's kept on for a long time and she wants to you know kill this person and I've always been confused about what happens in the scene where she gets killed because Riker beams in and he's like hold on here's the situation and she pretty much admits to it he hits her with a stun beam doesn't work a little higher power doesn't work and then he vaporizes her but I think like he beamed in can he just beam the woman out like why does he have to vaporize her, so I think that's one of his worst decisions like he's not actually it's the writers really, but he's not actually thinking it uh, thinking about it. He could be like Geordi, beam him out or O'Brien or whatever, but he doesn't. He vaporizes this woman, so that's always struck me as really wrong and one of his very worst decisions because someone dies so
0: huh, huh. okay i can- I can see that i I like the episode, but I think with Riker, you know he tries stuns her and she is still adamant yeah, why doesn't
1: he beam her out to the brig or something she's right? made
0: up her mind and there's nothing but death that's gonna stop her so that's an
1: that's an interesting way to see it but it's just always struck me as like unnecessary there could be but... other
0: choices and options available to him <laughs>
2: yeah okay. yeah i was yeah i'm justin i'm 100 agree with you on that one because I mean, I've seen the episode probably like a half dozen times, maybe a dozen times, mm-hmm. and I have to agree, like, there are probably better decisions that he could have done to uh, prevent Utah from murdering Chorgan. So, uh, it actually was on my honorable mentions list, but I don't know if we're going to talk okay. about oh, good. that. But right. So, you took one of my honorable mentions, Justin. But it was, it
1: was an, honor- an honorable mention as a worst moment?
0: Uh, yeah, it was. Okay. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So way to go. (laughs) (laughs) That
1: happens here. Yes.
0: It does. Well, for my uh, second pick for a bad decision, um, and I just think that he has some unhealthy behaviors and he holds grudges. And one of those times is with his father, Kyle Riker, in The Icarus Factor, I mean, he holds on to this anger for 15 plus years, and he just has an unhealthy relationship with his father. And, and I get why they do it, and everyone has flaws. But I just think, you know, especially with having maybe a few counseling sessions with Counselor Troy, that he might be able to move past it. Um, but he, it's just so evident whenever Kyle Riker is brought up, he just has this humongous grudge And I think that's a very poor decision for him personally.
1: So you think when Kyle came aboard, he should have tried to work through that better?
0: Uh, Well, I think he should have worked through it before and just trying to come to Mm. terms with, you know, I mean, crap happens to people when they're kids all the time. And, you know, are you going to make the choice to hold on to it and harbor this, you know, anger and cantankerous feelings? Or are you going to say, you know, that's the past and you know, I'm going to be a better person because of it.
1: Hmm. hmm.
2: Interesting. Interesting. Interesting uh, perspective there, Amy. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I. I didn't think of that.
1: Yeah. I guess I have some different feelings about it because I, I may have said this before, but I've had some contentious uh, moments with my parents, and I can actually very much relate to what Riker's going through. But I, I think that the way that he handles it with all of this kind of formality and then having this ambo Jutsu <laughs> match he could have handled that a lot better that just seems weird that they have to kind of fight it out in right. a macho way like that but yeah i can see that
2: yeah i can see that too
0: okay well let's get on to our third pick for best riker moments wes all right third pick for me is a matter of honor his decision to be
2: the first ever starfleet officer on a klingon ship And I, one of the best moments I thought of the entire episode where he feasts himself on the Enterprise, but before the transfer, all that Klingon food. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that scene. (laughs) He's just, he's just uh, having a buffet by himself, eating a bunch of Klingon food. So (laughs) I think it's one of the most, best decisions that he ever did.
0: That is a great pick and shows, really, he just goes, you know, full throttle ahead and immerses himself into this culture and tries to prepare himself the best way so that he will be successful in his mission. And that shows a lot to his character. That is a great pick, Wes.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I love what he does because Picard presents him with this, this thing and he's like, I'll do it. And then with the the feast, he does it with such gusto. He's just having such a great time, like, oh, what's this? And let me try this out. And then, of course, when he's on the ship, he just serves in a way that the Klingons feel is honorable, but he still does it in a way that the Enterprise doesn't get damaged or destroyed. I mean, it's just, like, all throughout, I think it's one of the best Riker episodes. It's a great choice.
0: Yeah. All right, Justin, your pick.
1: All right, so for my third pick, this may be interesting because i don't know if you guys had thought about this but it actually comes from cause and effect because what i really like about what happens with Riker and cause and effect is that in the end he has a decision that is better than data's decision and data realizes that at the very end because he says i want to decompress the main shuttle bay and data says oh no a tractor beam which of course doesn't work so i love that Like, Riker has this instinct for what can help them out of the situation that if it was implemented the first time, if Picard had trusted him instead of Data, they wouldn't have even gotten into a lot of this situation. So I think it really says something about the quick decision making he can make to make the right decision, even above Data, who can think out all of these possibilities, right? So I, I, I love that moment for him where you realize in the end, Riker was right.
2: Wow. Um, well, first of all, I never thought of that. I thought of it more of a data moment than a Riker moment. First of all,
1: uh-huh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> because he realizes it, uh, Data realizes it. But wow, yeah, you're right. If uh, they had just, if Picard had just trusted Riker with the decision first, uh, they wouldn't have gotten stuck in this causality loop for 17 days. What it, it was.
1: Mm-hmm. And if and if Riker hadn't given an option like that. They might be stuck in there forever because data can't even reason it out except like, oh, a, pr- a data in the previous timeline must have figured out to at least try. Because even data in the end is like, I thought it might work. Data isn't 100% sure it's going to work, right? But it's like their last chance. So mm-hmm. I think of it as much as, as, as a Riker moment because he has like this quick decision making where he's right in the end and data isn't, which is amazing.
2: <laughs> wow. And it's one yeah. of my favorite episodes,
1: so.
0: It's one of my yeah, favorite, too. <laughs> too, and you're right, and because I always looked at it as, like you were saying, Wes, like a, a data moment where, you know, data didn't come up with the right decision and how that impacts him and his programming and his thought process on what is the best decision, but just goes to show that instinct, that human instinct, that gut feeling, is right and turned out to be the right the right choice. So great, pick Justin.
1: Oh, thanks. It might be a surprise.
0: Well, for my third best decision, again, this is more of a decision um, because we don't really see it on screen per se. But his decision to get into a relationship with Troy back on Beta Zed before uh, we ever see them um, on it's mentioned uh, on Encounter at Farpoint, Menager Tra, and Second Chances. Like we get to see this amazing friendship on screen. But that was because of the decision made before of them getting together. And so we get to see them build this amazing, strong friendship and bond and connection through all of the series. And then we get to end up with Nemesis, with them getting married. And they are just a true Imzadi for each other. So A plus for that decision. I think Riker is better because of Troy.
1: Well, and that's interesting because you could say he made a good decision and a bad decision before TNG, a good decision for them to be involved, a bad decision to prioritize his career over her, right? (laughs) But, but yeah, I mean, because they are so good together, and at a certain point, he made that. That decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're probably thinking about this because you just talked about Mzadi on literary tracks, right?
0: I was, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we see their marriage in Nemesis and it's mentioned on screen of, you know, how they knew each other before. And, you know, it's sort of, you know, <laughs> the one where he's, you know, talking to Picard and trying to explain Loxana's desire to get married and how she focuses on Picard. And so they're explaining you know, this and sort of how it was, you know, before when they were in Beta Z. So I, I just, you know, I have to throw in a Troy Riker moment. Wouldn't be Earl Grey without it. Oh, yeah, of yeah. course.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, wow, Amy, you just did an overall one. That's awesome. That's that, that's great. I have to give you props for that. That's awesome because, yeah, like you said, it couldn't be an Earl Grey episode without you talking about Troy and Riker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, well, let's get to our final picks for Worst Moments. Wes, what was your third pick?
2: Okay, okay. I recently, w- I, with in preparation for this, I was on New Year's Day. Um, I watched uh, The Host, and the one where he volunteers for old Dan when the host dies, and he hmm. ends up being the symbiont host for the temporary one, and he decides to do it. I think that's kind of a bad idea. Um, granted, you know, he did it for, you know, cause he's a, dip- he's a pretty much the secondary diplomat to Picard, but it's just doesn't work for me as a, hmm. as a great moment for him to do. I know you guys probably would disagree with me, but that's fine. <laughs> that's how I feel about it.
0: Well, that's interesting because I didn't even think of the host because to me it's obviously a, a Beverly Crusher, but you know that moment uh, is interesting, and you have a, a a different take on it. Yeah, Justin.
1: Yeah, I always thought it was odd actually in that episode that it's Riker because they're talking about it and Riker's like, "Could a human host carry him?" I mean, it, it and and it's like, okay, then I volunteer, like. I don't know why is he getting this idea or why can't they think of because it seems like he's asking this question to set himself up to do it does he secretly want to have a relationship with Beverly through this host I mean there's just something that feels weird about him like bringing it up like could a human do it okay then I volunteer I mean there's just something that feels weird about his decision so I can Wes I can totally see that because it just feels weird Hmm. (laughs) that it would be him guess somebody had to do it but yeah why why Riker you know?
2: Yeah, and I understand why he did it. Don't get me wrong, I understand why because the symbiote was sort of dying, and you needed a host like immediately. They couldn't get one for like nine hours at one point, and you know, and I understand the point before it because you know he's secondary diplomat to Picard, like I said.
1: Yeah, but I think I think if you think about it, you could actually have Troy, who'd be a great diplomat. Why not her? Have her be the temporary host?
2: Yeah, I thought about that too. I. When I really watched it, I go, like, he could have, I mean, it could have been anybody else. And I know Data did ask Crusher if he could, uh, it, but, uh, but I don't think Data would have been too good for that. <laughs> yeah, but, I don't think that would have worked at all. No. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I, you're right, Justin. I didn't think about it. what, what if Troy did it? What if Worf did it? What if, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, clearly with Riker, they're just setting it up so that they can continue the love story. But yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's
0: kind of weird for me. So okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, Justin, your third pick.
1: All right. So for my third pick, <laughs> I thought about this for a little bit, and I was thinking it actually comes from the game, and it's in the be- the beginning scene where Riker. I'm not sure if it's Riser or some other pleasure planet, but you know, clearly he has this liaison with this woman and all of that right? And then all of a sudden, she's like, do you want to try this game? And he's like, oh, sure, why not? I mean, like, don't they have some kind of training that's like, hey, guys, do whatever you want in your personal life. But if somebody offers something that seems weird or some device, just say no and go. But he's like, oh, sure. And through his carelessness, the whole ship gets infected with this thing. So I think that's one of one of the absolute worst Riker moments where he could have just been like, no, thanks, you know?
0: That was a very poor decision on his <laughs> part. Yes. <laughs> yes, I have
2: to agree, and it was Riza, by the way, Justin. Mm-hmm. Was it Riza? Yep. Okay. It was Riza. Yeah. So, and with that woman, Itana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. But you're right. It is one of the worst decisions he ever did, and everyone, and you know, with the influence of the game, did he activate the data? That kind of thing. Yeah.
0: yeah. Bad decisions ensue. Yes. The only person who was aware of it, what was going on, was Wesley Crusher. So,
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Wesley has to save the day. But, yeah, it's, it's like I would hope that they would have some kind of training. Like, look, you're an important Starfleet officer. Your personal life is your business. But don't unnecessarily take a security risk. Okay, guys? Somebody wants to give you something you don't know what it is. Just say no. <laughs> <laughs> just, like the,
2: anyway. just like the say no to drugs campaign.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just say no to alien <laughs> devices that are trying to beam themselves into your eyes. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> well, for my third pick, again, I went back to this grudge that Riker seems to carry quite a bit. And in all good things, future Riker is holding this grudge against Worf after Deanna's death. And again, it's just this unhealthy behavior. And look at how unhappy he is. Yes, in part because Troy is dead. But, you know, we see in the seasons how strong of a friendship that Worf and Riker are. And in the future, it's not because of this grudge that Riker has against Worf. So I think that is a poor decision on Riker's part. Hmm. hmm
2: yeah uh yeah i agree with you amy because it was over the death of deanna troy in the future timeline mm-hmm. and you never pursued her further and that's probably why the whole grudge thing happened mm-hmm. uh yeah so yeah that's actually wow that's a great pick for a worst moment because yeah it, holding grudges is just kind of bad mm-hmm. so i agree
1: yeah, it's a good pick I didn't think about because it's the future Riker and we don't know if he'll be like that. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe in the Picard series, we'll be able to see what Riker's, Well, I'm not holding out too much hope, but it is interesting because over the course of that period of time, he's held this grudge kind of like he did with his father. Exactly. So it's kind of consistent with his character and like he hasn't learned much from that.
0: It's his yeah. Achilles Hill with that of holding grudges.
1: Huh. No, it's a really, that's a great pick. I hadn't thought of that.
0: All right. Well, um if we haven't doubled up, maybe we could go through uh some honorable mentions. So, Wes, do you have any that we haven't taken already?
2: Yeah, actually, Justin did take one of mine, but All that's right. okay. He took the, he took my worst one of my honorable mentions for the worst one. Okay. Which is The Vengeance Factor. But one of the best ones is Gambit. That two-parter, you know, he Attempts and succeeds in gaining Baran's trust and apparently working for a mercenary works the best for him. And yeah, I, I think it's one of the, one of the better decisions that he did in, in season seven. Mm-hmm. But, uh, because he's, I mean, his, his first intention was trying to figure out what the heck happened to Captain Picard, how he died. You know, eventually he this portrays this mercenary character. Which I think kind of succeeds for Riker, you know. So
1: yeah, you know, I I, I just rewatched the Gambit two parter as part of my season seven rewatch recently, and it's great. And he really gets into this character where he has like this grin when he's talking about killing Picard, and he's really getting into the role. And it just works with him and Picard working together on this mercenary ship to to uh, to kind of get out of the situation. Yeah, that's a that's a great pick, and I really I really like what Riker does in those episodes it's pretty great
0: yeah i agreed that's a great pick all right justin you have a honorable mention for us
1: uh yes well actually i had several <laughs> because it was so hard to narrow them down now what i think is interesting is we haven't gotten anything from the movies yet so i'm going to put in something from well, the movies i
0: said it ended up in marriage and nemesis
1: oh that's true but it was okay. talking about before teen. all right fine we haven't talked about them much okay so I have a moment from First Contact. I guess it's a series of moments. I really like how Riker is on the warp ship and he's working together with Cochran and Jordy. But it's a specific moment, which I think is, is really inspirational also. I think inspirational for Cochrane, but also for us, where Cochran's looking back at Earth and he's saying, it looks so small. And Riker says, it's about to get a whole lot bigger. And I just love that moment because he has the perfect thing to say And it's kind of an inspiration for us if we get to that point in in the future, like somebody like the Vulcans come, like the universe is about to get a whole lot bigger. So I I just really like that moment from Riker.
0: That is a great pick. And Riker does an amazing job in First Contact, like everything down on the planet and how he's handling things and organizing things. I just think of that. But yeah, with his reaction to Cochrane is really a great moment. Thank you.
1: No, yeah. <laughs> and and I had an honorable mention for Worst as well. I debated whether to include it because maybe it'll be controversial, but it's always struck me as a bad decision. So it comes from the episode Up the Long Ladder, and it's not really the part with, you know, the bring loyalty Irish kind of people. It's with the clones, because they have taken some material from uh, Riker, LaForge, and, and Pulaski, and they've started started to, you know, make these clones of them to continue their society. And I think Riker finds out, he beams down with Riker, Pulaski, and LaForge, sees these, like, adult clones that seem like they're, they're, you know, ready to be released, and takes a phaser and kills them. And there's just always been something about that that feels really wrong. I mean, I know Riker says, like, hey, you stole our material, that's not right. But that was just made into a being that's about to become sentient, right? Um, and it seems like it's pretty far along in the process. And even if you look at something like the DS9 episode, A Man Alone, where there, this, this guy has killed his clone, like it's still considered murder. I don't know, I maybe mean, it's a little controversial because maybe it gets into ideas of like when life begins and abortion and stuff like that. But um, <laughs> it's always struck me as like, you have these people that have been created. Yes, they've robbed your material, but it just seems wrong to vaporize them, so... I don't know what you guys think.
2: Wow, I I I, I never thought of it as a bad moment. Uh, I thought of it. Hey, wow, you opened my eyes, Justin, uh, <laughs> to it. I just thought of more of like, hey, I'm trying to protect my my own DNA here. I never thought of it as a bad
0: moment for Riker. So yeah, yeah, because you know you look at what makes someone unique. And then to have this clone, definitely. And yeah, I can see that as a uh, bad decision on his part. Because you're right, getting into that realm of sentient beings.
1: Yeah, and it's hard to tell like how far along they are. But it seems like there are these adult beings that are just ready to to go out into the world. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I and I feel conflicted about it sometimes. But it feels like a bad moment <laughs> to just vaporize them. But, yeah. Anyway.
0: You don't like it when he vaporizes
1: people. No, I don't like to see people vaporized. It's not, not my favorite thing to see in Star Trek, that's right. for sure. So, yeah.
0: So, um, I have an honorable mention. Well, I have two, but we'll see. Okay, it, we could not have done this episode without mentioning Riker and Guinan in The Dauphin. When Wesley asks for dating advice in 10 forward and it's like, Guinan, I need your help. Would you step over here for a minute? And she's like, well, sounds simple enough. And Riker, I'm just going to read the script because it is so good. Bear with me. (laughs) So Riker says, now the first words out of your mouth are the most important. You may want to start something like this. You are the most beautiful woman in the galaxy. But that might not work. And Guinan says, yes, yes, it would. He continues, you don't know how long I've wanted to tell you that. But you were afraid? Yes. Of me? Of us? What we might become? Or that you might think that this was a line. Guinan says, maybe I do think it's a line. Then you think I'm not sincere. I didn't say that. There's nothing wrong with a line. It's like a knock at the door. Then you're inviting me in? I'm not sending you away. That's more than I expected. Is it as much as you hoped? To hope is to recognize the possibility. I had only dreams. Guinan says, dreams can be dangerous. Not these dreams. I dream of a galaxy where your eyes are the stars and the universe worships the night. Guinan says, careful, putting me on a pedestal so high, you may not be able to reach me. Then I'll learn how to fly. You are the heart in my day and the soul in my night. Wesley interrupts. I don't think this is my style, Guinan says. Shut up, kid. Tell me more about my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Do you just love that? That is such a great Riker moment. I love, love, love that. And it just the words and the interplay between those two is classic. I just I love that.
1: It is pretty great. And I think after that, I wanted to see like Riker and Guinan dating. Like they seem pretty good together. At least (laughs) the the compliment department. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty great.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And you know, uh, that's a great moment, Amy, because I thought of, because going off of that, uh, I thought of like that little conversation in the best of both worlds part two, you know, about the whole advice about being captain. Kind of like the whole hefty conversation that they have kind of like stemmed from that, conversation that they have this respect for one another so uh if that makes any sense
0: yeah 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 they do have a good friendship there yeah mm-hmm. uh wes another honorable mention i don't have any more actually okay. all
1: right i'm good i can okay. keep going but i, I think i'm good
0: yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> all right well so What do you think are your final thoughts with this Riker? Overall, did he make good decisions or did he have a lot of good moments? Are we still begrudging him with his bad decisions? Wes?
2: I think he made more good ones than bad ones. I think uh, because of the fact that he wanted wanted to be captain someday, he has to make the right decision sometimes in order to make that happen. Certainly, I, I have to attribute to the writers of Next Gen uh, it, it it got better um, mm-hmm. with the writing with with writing, of the character. As it, as the series progressed, he made better and better decisions. But of course, there'll be some clunkers who... Th- we all make mistakes. We're all human.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Justin?
1: Yeah, it was interesting to take a look at this. And as I said before, I definitely had a longer list of best moments than worst moments. So I think overall, Riker's making good decisions. I mean, I think it says something also for... Um, how much the writers got use out of him. Although I think a lot of the ones that I did maybe were early on, but but I think that they did do some good things for him with a lot of good moments and there were some missteps. But I think overall, I, I, I really enjoy Riker as, as a character and I think that he had some really good memorable moments and the ones that are worse moments, maybe he's just having an off day. <laughs> it just seems like there's a few days in there where he's not doing as well. But I mean, we could have mentioned some others where he had some great moments. So I think it helps to give me an appreciation for for his character. Um, And I'm glad it didn't turn out we were like, oh, that Riker, he's the worst. I couldn't find any good moments for him. So it's not (laughs) like that at all. So I'm I'm glad that was mostly good stuff, I think, that we can say about him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I have to agree with you because I was a little nervous. I'm like, well, you know, there's always going to be bad moments everywhere, but it was interesting to analyze. And, you know, I sort of feel like I have a deeper understanding of his character with him holding grudges and, you know, making these poor decisions because then that only accentuates when he does make the right ones, which again, as we said, is more often than not like, you know, the struggle is real and that we all have uh, you know, good moments and bad moments and yeah, we are allowed to have off days and and vaporize some people when we shouldn't oh, have, geez. I'm sure.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> I hope I hope none of our days involve unnecessarily vaporizing
0: yes. people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wes, where can people find you online? This has been so much fun to have you on, Earl Grey. Well, um,
2: I'm on Facebook, obviously. I'm in the Babel conference, you know, so, and I comment pretty much on any Earl Grey or uh, postcards episode of the Edge because um, I know Amy. You read my comments once in a while, uh, <laughs> yeah. But on my podcast, you can find me on Facebook. It's Facebook.com/slash mn Star Trek Nerd Pod, and you can also follow me on Twitter. It's the the handle has changed since the last time I. Speaking to you, Amy, it's M-I-N-N-S-T, nerd pod. It's because of reasons I I don't want to get into. Okay. So. so. All
0: right. (laughs) Great.
1: Yeah, it's been great having you on, Wes.
2: Yep, and it's twice a week, by the way, folks, the podcast is.
1: Excellent.
0: Well, for next week, we are going to have an interview, thanks to Justin. So, Justin, tell us who we are going to be talking to next week.
1: Yeah, so next week we will have Dorinda Wood. She was the costume designer for TNG Season 2. Very excited to have her on. We haven't interviewed a costume designer before. And also, you know, because she was working on Season 2, she got to do the first costume designs for Guinan and the Borg, which is great, and, you know, so many others across those episodes. So really looking forward to bringing you guys that interview.
0: Yeah, Well, it's been so much fun talking about the best and worst Riker moments with Wes Huntington. But that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM.
1: Previously on Trek.FM, Meta Treks. Wow, I had no idea that was possible. It's this ongoing link. That exists between Michael Burnham and Sarek because of this mind meld that he had with her when she was a child. Mike, I'm going to give you a Radio Shack joke because I know you and I both have Radio Shack experience. If this yes. were the if this episode happened in the 1990s, they would have had prepaid long distance mind meld cards. To the journey.
0: But I do have a question: Why was Neelix focusing on classic American cuisine as a marketable job skill in going back to the Alpha Quadrant? Why classic American cuisine? Why not Chinese, Japanese, or Vulcan? Come on.
1: I think that the culinary tastes will continue to degrade for the next three or four centuries. And by the 24th century, it'll only be classic American that's left. You know, all other cuisine will have gone by the wayside. So
0: pot roast, pot pie, apple pie.
1: Yeah. Every restaurant is Taco Bell, essentially. You know, it's the the demolition man problem. That's disgusting. Literary treks.
0: I think we could not do this novel without inviting a special guest, Amy Nelson. Amy, how are you doing?
1: Hi. I
0: am so excited. Mzadi, Riker Troy. It is the best. I am so grateful, honored, pleased that you even thought of me for coming on Literary Trek. So thank <laughs> you so, so much. Yeah, we're like, do you think
2: there's anybody on the network that would like to talk about Deanna Troy?
0: Hmm. hmm. I think I have Ooh. corner on the market on that one. Standard orbit. Vulcans are not incapable of showing emotion, but apparently they are incapable of lying. Quote well,
2: that's their the reputation. I mean, who told the Vulcans tell you that? Of course
1: they would. I mean, that's their <laughs> reputation, you know. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show, and we might read your review on the show.
0: Like we did today.
1: Like we did today, yep.
0: (laughs) If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link.
1: We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up.
0: If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Gray. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. So Justin, where can people contact you when you're not watching Will Riker put his leg up on things?
1: Yeah, I'm surprised we didn't have any best or worst moments where he put his leg up on things. Or sitting
0: on any consoles.
1: Or sitting on any consoles and maybe firing something off the tactical console. Well, when I'm not thinking about that, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. Currently tweeting out my Season 7 rewatch of The Next Generation. And you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. So, Amy, before I ask you where people can find you, maybe a bonus question we can put in here. Oh, okay. How, spur of the moment. I know that you're working on your DS9 rewatch, but first thing that comes to mind, favorite DS9 character? Kira. All right, excellent. No
0: hesitation. Yep.
1: No hesitation. Awesome. Well... listeners might know, but Kira is my favorite DS9 character and my favorite character in all of Star Trek. So I heartily approve of that answer.
0: (laughs) Oh, yay. I got the question right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's no wrong answer to that, but I was glad to hear it. So awesome. Yeah. All right. So now, Amy, where can people contact you when you're not alternately loving good Will Riker moments and shaking your head at bad Will Riker moments?
0: Oh, those bad moments. Well, (laughs) when I'm not doing that, you can find me here on the network on The Edge with my co-host, Patrick Devlin, where we cover Star Trek Discovery, which has started season two. And I also do postcards from The Edge where I share your fan response. You can find me on the Fandom Podcast Network where I talk about... Discovery, and The Orville with my good friends Haley Stoddart, Kevin Reitzel, and Kyle Wagner. And that again is Discoville. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, but my favorite place is right there in the Babel Conference.
1: If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more, available through our special patrons' website, The Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash truck.fm.
0: We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, Michael Huter, and Thomas Appel. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey.
1: They say you will be doing this manually, sir. No automation?
0: Great joy and gratitude.